Furthermore, the equation E is equal to MC square. Welcome to Cheeky Scientist Radio. If this is your first time listening to us, you can go to CheekyScientist.com and get our free resume template. We have a lot of other items on that page that will help you in your transition into industry. If you are joining us again, welcome back to this radio show. As always, you can find out more about Cheeky Scientist and our program, the Cheeky Scientist Association, uh, which helps PhDs transition into industry jobs where they can do meaningful work and be paid well for it. Just go to phdsgethired.com, phdsgethired.com, and now we're going to jump into the radio show. Great show for you today. We're going to be talking about body language and a lot of things that you can do to avoid being awkward while networking, or really just what you can do to not come across as needy or desperate or arrogant or any other way that's going to prevent you from building a professional relationship with someone that could lead to getting a job referral. We're going to go through the show me the data uh, segment, and we're going to talk after that about body language for business with Carol uh, Relton. Now for show me the data. We're going to go through some data here and we're going to be talking about networking and some keys here to keep in mind, right? There's a lot of data out there, even even some peer-reviewed data on networking and things that work in terms of anything from the behavioral psychology of making a connection with somebody, body language, which we're going to talk more about later, um, and, and many other things here. There's some great uh, articles that we want you to check out. One is from Psychology Today. One is by, by this guy named Albert Merabian, if I'm saying that right. He demonstrated that 55% of communication is body language. One thing that I learned about body language was that if you put your hands in your pockets, it's a sign that you're w trying to leave, right? So if, if you are in a conversation with somebody and they put their hands in their pockets, they are ready to leave. They are uh, at, in a state of impatience, like they're done with the conversation and they're sticking around so you can finish what you have to say and to be polite. Um, I noticed that this is something that I do quite a bit, so I've tried to stop myself from doing it. Um, but I also, if I'm talking to somebody in a networking event or I talk to anybody and I see them put their hands in their pockets, I give them an out in the conversation and they appreciate this. Um, so that's one thing for me that has really stuck with me, and we'll, we'll talk more with Carol about um, some different kind of body language uh, triggers to look out for in, in just a bit. Uh, but the key is, even if you, look at the, you know, if you look at the quantitative data, body language, like it's not what we say verbally, it's really what we say with our, our bodies, and especially when you're meeting people for the first time. I love this article by the Huffington Post, um, who you should network with, because we all think of networking with people who can give us a referral, and we talk a lot about networking with people who are in the jobs that you want or in jobs like lateral positions to those jobs. Like if you're reaching out to an employee on LinkedIn, you don't want to go for like the, the VP necessarily or the chairman or the CEO, but you want to reach out to somebody who's in that R&D position that you want to get into or they're in a regulatory affairs position, you know, in that, that first kind of level position that is uh, lateral to the first level R&D position. What I like about this though is it talks about once you get a job or just in general to build your career, who are the people that you need to build relationships with, right? Not just those people, but your boss, your future boss, your future peers. Because once you get a job in industry, things move much faster than they do in academia. 
I mean, you're looking at like six months to, to get a promotion, certainly by one year. You might be changing companies, et cetera. You have to get these sponsorships at the companies you're working with and the companies you might be interested in. Um, future peers, right? That's, that's pe the people that might be working at companies you want to uh, get into after your first initial job. Um, influential peers of your future boss too, right? So who are the people that are influencing the people that are going to determine the advancement of your career? So, so some other good data here. I like, this is funny too. I only go to networking events to hang out with people I already know, right? That goes back to the, the, the chart we just showed about having a, a network that's includes a, a, a large variety of people, right? Lots of diversity, not just PhDs, non-PhDs. Don't just hang out with the three people in your lab, and call that a networking event. Don't just go to your seminars on campus and call that networking. Okay, so we're gonna move on from the show me the data section. We're gonna bring on Carol now. Very excited to have Carol on. I'm gonna read her bio real quick here. Uh, she's accomplished quite a bit. She is one of the uh, foremost experts on body language. Uh, she is a body language specialist and expert, ranked number four in the world at globalgurus.com. Uh, she is the author of The Future of Body Language, How to Communicate Effectively Through Multimedia, and has emphasized the role of body language for success in business. Her unique insight and training sessions on body language uh, are, as a not-so-subtle and powerful tool have led to a successful career and work of many in 47 countries around the, around the globe. So she has influenced more countries than we have. We're only at 40, all right? So she is, she is a worldwide expert. Um, she's, she's done uh, work with KPMG in Singapore, Toastmasters in Hong Kong, Google in London, and many, many more. And I will give you details a little later about how you can get a copy of The Future of Body Language uh, from Carol by emailing her directly after we have her on. So, hello, Carol. Good to see you. Good evening or good morning. I'm not... <laughs> yes. We have, uh, for me, it's good morning still. And then uh, for a lot of people, it might be evening, though, but it's great to... Uh, it's definitely evening here. Ah, great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. I, I, I appreciate it. I'm very excited. We've heard a lot about, uh, about you in terms of your ability to coach people on body language. I think we all think it's fascinating, but we don't know a lot about it. And I guess I just wanted, to start, I just wanted to start with um, hearing a little bit more about your background. How did you get into studying body language? Uh, I, I was working for Xerox, actually, and running a couple of countries for them in the Middle East. And I relied on interpreters. So one contract that we didn't get, I could tell that there was a misunderstanding on what was being said to the client and what information I was getting. And from that day, I vowed to learn body language, basically. Mm -hmm. so, you saw it, so you saw that it mattered? It mattered more than I ever thought before, yes. I can just um, refer to what you said earlier, 55% mm. of meetings are visual uh, body language. Actually, it's on first meetings that that's applicable, not all meetings. That's important. Yeah, I think it's, it's, re it's really relevant when it comes to the first impression that you're making. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and so you, you dove a lot deeper into the study of body language than most. What are yes. some of the things, you know, and we have a bunch of PhDs on who specialize in certain areas and innovate in certain fields. So you've, you've innovated in this field of body language. So what are some of the things that you discovered or that you really started to pay attention to in body language that others were not at the time? Brilliant. Um, yes. One of those is the breath. 
because the breath actually indicates we're alive and it indicates we're at the end of our life if we don't have any more breath. Yeah, and one of the things that we already know, all of us on this call will already know, that if someone is sitting next to us on the plane or the train and they sigh, we know that they're fed up or tired and not happy. So we're already taking on subliminal messages and I just developed that a little bit further really. So when I'm teaching or coaching body language, what I'm asking people to do is to not mimic these hand movements, the leg movements that everybody is so familiar with. I'm asking you to look at the breath pattern and emulate their breath pattern. Because if you think about it, if someone is really on the way down or depressed and you start copying their body language, then what happens next is you're going to spiral into depression, the two of you. So it's much better that you capture the person's breath. And a way to do that is to listen to the pauses, start breathing in time with them, and then when you deliver to them, have the same breath pattern. And what happens as a response from them is they somehow like you but don't know why or how. It's very, very clever, very, very subtle. So you pay attention to their breathing, like their rhythm. Their the rhythm, yep. And then by mimicking that, it, it kind of gets you in sync with them. Whereas people before have said mimic their hand movements, right? Sure. Like their, their posture. Um, you, you tell people to focus on the breath first. First, yes, definitely. Definitely. What? One thing and you I've... were just talking about networking, so it's important in a networking scenario because you, that, you are, you're looking at their faces. You're really in front of them, so you really need to connect quite quickly. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's one of the is – it, is it a, a fast way to connect with them? Faster than – It takes um, – it does take a bit of time to master this. So, but it is a very quick way, yes. Mm. One thing I, I read when I started speaking was that a lot of speakers, they breathe like more up here and it makes them sound more nervous and like anxious and like higher pitched. Yeah. Yeah. Their belly, they sound deeper and more confident, et cetera. So do you, yes. what about- I, I agree with that, that's absolutely true. And if, if someone is nervous, I can give you a little tip for that. Would you, would you like to hear that? Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, well, you can try it now. I thought it would be, my hair seems to be very shiny today. Um, you, you can try it now. If you look down, you must have both feet on the ground. And if you look down and, and think of your worst thought, what could happen at your next interview, your next network meeting, or whatever is worrying you at the moment. If you look down and really bring that thought into your consciousness, which is what I'm trying to do right now, and until you feel it in the body and you can make it even worse. And once you've done that, and, and really you should spend a minimum of 30 seconds doing that, and if need be, three minutes. And then once you've got that focus on that terrible thing that could happen, might happen, has happened, what you do, I, I'm thinking particularly of your um, graduates doing presentations or going to meetings they're not used to going to. Once you've done that, then, then if you keep both feet on the ground again and tilt your head back so your mouth is now in parallel to the ceiling 
And if you can possibly smile and think of that thought, please do it. You'll get it now, honestly, if you do it. You won't get it if you don't do it. I can see that you're not doing it. You're it right now. And what happens is the pressure and the severity of that problem is removed. Um, so some of your listeners will have done it. And it's because the chemicals in your spine are changing. You know, it, it, that's how it works. So, so is it more, no, no, and I've heard a lot, I've read this stuff like it's like a, you're reframing it basically, you're rewiring yeah. the nervous system. So it has, is it more biological or is it more psychological? So is it really? Oh, it's biological, this one. Yeah. That's fascinating. So it, it, it releases something in it's your. different hormones that will be present in your body. Um, I'm not sure we need to go into all the detail. No, no, it is, it is fascinating. And I've, I, I've heard this before. So you, you basically. You think it's something really dark, like you said, and then you release it through something biological, posture change, et cetera, and it oh. can actually change some of the, the communications, the neuro, what are the neurotransmitters? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you're, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're changing the, like we talked about rhythm before, you're turn, changing the rhythm of connection within your own body, which releases different hormones, which will calm you down. Yeah. And, and it, it negates everything doesn't, that you think is a problem isn't when you do that. Yeah, no, and I know. I can do it in under 30 seconds, but most people would need 30 seconds and some people need three minutes. No, and I think that's good. I just want to tell, for those of you listening, that this is real, there are peer reviewed studies on this that what, if you focus on something, you know, painful, dark, whatever, you can reframe, you can basically rewire your nervous system and you, you do it through, a, a, you know, doing it a series of times. If you're super nervous before networking or presenting, just like this, you think of the worst yeah. things that can happen and then through postural changes, there's other things that you can do. You can kind of rewire that nervous system so it releases it and it doesn't seem like a big deal anymore. Um, yeah. Some people, this is, this is really, really important. I used to have to do this before speaking. I used to be really, really nervous. Like I was more hyperactive nervous. Which yes, yes. And uh, I would have to reframe it and kind of like release the adrenals and stuff like that so I wouldn't have a legit panic attack when I was presenting. Yeah, that's exactly right. You, that's what you're doing, but it's a, a very simplistic way of doing it, but it's still very effective. And it, it, I was listening to you um, suggesting how people went into a network meeting and they, one of the things you said was to apologize for going towards a group. And I think if you do the exercise we just looked at, there's a positive way to approach the group. If, if I can say so, I know it's against the rules, but um, I, I go, I'll tell you what I do. Okay. What I, I do when I see a group that I want to join, I would go up and I'd say, I would love to join this group. Yeah, would be that would that be okay with you? I like that. Now, what can people say to you? Yes or no? What are they likely to say to you? Yes. That's great. I just think making an excuse, you know, excusing yourself for being somewhere is quite negative. And if you're talking about looking for contacts for work, you need to be positive. You don't need to be apologetic for where you are and who you are. And part of body language is giving you that next step up so that you're not like that. 
but you need the platform, you need the vocabulary and the words to go with the body language. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love saying something um, that doesn't give them much of an option other than yes, of course, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what selling is all about. That's what uh, business is all about, influencing. And, and senior managers and directors, their whole job is about influencing, influencing the shareholders, influencing sponsors, influencing clients, and influencing their personnel. So it is really about influencing. And in order to do that, you need to be comfortable in your own body and believe that at minimum, you're equal to the other people in the room. Yeah, um, just writing it down. <laughs> a good question, um, a good lead into my next series of questions is, okay, just like you said, I want to come across as a business professional. I, I, we, call it have call it, we call it having industry credibility. So we're, okay. most of us are academics. We've never worked in industry and business. We've been in academia mm. our whole life. How can we carry ourselves? What are some of the things that we can do to start being seen as a, a, a successful, confident business professional? Okay. Well, I think we've started with the language. And, and now you have that little exercise that you can do. I suggest in the cloakroom, not in a reception or anywhere like that. Okay. Um, and um, you then, because you've done that exercise, something else happens to your body. It straightens up. And the more symmetrical you are, the more people take information from you. Mm. So if I start talking to you like this, I have less influence than if I'm talking to you with my head balanced on the top of my spine. Yeah? Mm. You sort of know that's already true, but you don't realize what you're doing with your body because most of us spend a lot of time on our mobile phone, so we probably lean to one side slightly. And we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and actually see how we are adrift and start lining up again. So that will give you confidence and poise. And something that might help that, and you can, again, I'm, I thought of all these exercises you could do whilst on this conference call, um, is to imagine that you have a very heavy cloak on your shoulders, really heavy woolen cloak. And it's very long and it's touching the ground. And in order to keep that cloak stable, you'll have to pull your shoulders back, lower them, and that gives you a fairly straight posture and a lot more confidence. If you are walking, and some of you might like to try this now, but I probably mustn't because I'm sitting at a screen. Um, if you're listening, at stand up and imagine the cloak is on your shoulders because you'll see how your whole body straightens, your lungs open, so your voice is not high-pitched, as you referred to before, and, and you're already set up to say whatever it is you've got to say. Great. No, I like that. And, I mean, we hear phrases like, put your shoulders back when we want somebody to be confident, right? Sure. Because it does open up the, the lung cavity. It, it, uh, puts your, it puts you in that, that confident, erect state. So Yeah. I think it's fascinating. And, I, you know, it's funny, as a, reversing it, as a presenter, I've heard that how you can tell if people are engaged with what you're saying is if their head tilts. Yes, very slightly, very slightly, yeah. So it's, it's, it's very fascinating. I mean, what else? Let's say, let's start breaking it down on some of the things that, you know, this group is, they're trying to get their first job. You know, nowadays things have changed a little bit where 
companies, especially for PhD level jobs, they're doing an audio phone screen first and then mm -hmm. at least one up to maybe even three video calls. So sure. what are some of the things you can do to come across as confident, like you said, beyond what we just talked about with having your head straight? Okay. Well, one of the very fundamentals and is to have both feet on the ground. And so, ladies and gents that wear high-heeled high shoes, it's probably better you have flat shoes when you're doing the interview, even though they're probably not going to be seen on screen, so that you're nearer the ground or take your shoes off, because, again, that straightens your body and it gives you more security. You know, you're, you're more stable, basically. Uh, and so, you keep both feet on the ground, you put your cloak on because that's going to take your shoulders back, give you the voice that you want. And with your feet, I'll just go back to the feet for a minute, do not move them around. You only have to look at a television uh, situation where they're interviewing someone on the television. Mm -hmm. And the person who's struggling to come back, the politician, business person or whatever, invariably has their feet coiled around the seat they're sitting on. They'd be in a much better position to respond positively and correctly in some stage, in some cases, if they had both feet on the ground. So you've got your cloak on, you're keeping both feet on the ground. The other thing to remember is people give out with their right-hand side and receive with the left. That's why we shake hands with the right hand and we look and sit on the left-hand side of anybody we want to influence. Now, this is true in business and in personal life. So if you want to get a holiday with your partner and you've never been able to get to the venue that you want to go to, if you put both feet on the ground, follow the breathing pattern I spoke about earlier, and look them in the left eye or sit on their left side and look them in the left eye, you'll have more influence because the left eye is the receiving side on the receiving side of your body. And once the person you're talking to relates to it, and they don't tell you they relate to it, they just start looking you in the left eye, communication speeds up, mm. which is fantastic. And here's the best part about it the understanding of what's being said speeds up as well. So you have faster communications and more clarity in that communication. Mm. That's fascinating. I, I went to a conference that talked about just what you're saying here, the direction that they're, well, the direction they're receiving information from really matters. Like if you're talking to somebody's left versus right versus behind their head, forward, sure. It all affects the processing. Difference. Sure, it does. It does. You need to be on their left side. If you're in a face-to-face -face meeting, move the chair so that you are more on their left side. Wow. Um, and any communications that you're having on a day-to-day -day basis, this is great for, and you, and you should start doing this right now, talking to people's left eye. This is what, your left side. What can you do to show that you're... In like a good fit for the job, you're enthusiastic, etc. What are just some of the things that you can do in terms of body language? If you're on video, especially like where you can't mimic, yeah. I mean, where. Well, yeah, no, that I understand. the The biggest thing is synchronize the breath, but that does take practice. Do not expect to be able to do that straight away. You, but you need to be aware of it, and you need to be trying it out on your friends, family, that sort of thing, so that when you are in a business scenario, 
that you can just drop straight into it. It's not forced. You're actually breathing with the, pa the person and you get in sync pretty quickly. Um, convincing them that you're good for the job, I guess, is a lot about talking less and, and enlivening them. So if you have your feet on the ground, you're looking into their left eye, you're already looking grounded, secure, and they are now um, communicating with you more quickly than someone else they might have interviewed who hasn't this knowledge. And if you can incorporate the breath pattern, you're what you should be able to get the job. I really believe that if you have the qualifications. I mean, I, I it's bad to talk about yourself, but I have to tell you this I got a gig at Google and I'd only been okay, I got recommended for it, but I'd never met Google, I'd never spoken oh. to them. And I got a gig at Google within three minutes. And they said, Yes, yes, we'll have you. I, I mean, that's never, ever happened to me before. But I did all those things I've just told you. I didn't get into the advanced stuff because they said, okay, you can do the talk. It was incredible. Wow. So it does work. It really does work. And what, practice. what are some little, just some little, I guess, fun kind of things to notice in somebody else? Like I talked earlier about one thing that always stuck with me is hand in, somebody puts their hands in their pockets, they're impatient. Um, and when an, now when people do it to me, I know they basically want to get out of there. I give them a reason to excuse it's them. Not, I think you have to be careful with that. It can be that. I don't, don't really want to get into all that detail. But also that's something men do more than women. And men have for years put hands in their pockets. If you're a barrister, you used to put hands up at your chest or in your pockets. It depends on the profession, that one, I would say. Because what we're talking about here is the broad brushstroke. But as you get down into professions, it changes. Uh, for instance, I saw on the notes there, someone had read an Alan Pease book. Now, Alan in his uh, first books was talking about, and it's a few years ago, okay. Um, it was, he was talking about people who put their feet on the desk in an office and the junior comes in and how intimidating that is. And it is, but if you do that at home, say you're watching a rugby match, football match or something, and you put your feet on the coffee table, you open or take a glass of wine, that is not intimidating to the people around you. That is being relaxed. So different situations require different behaviors. And thank you very much for saying I'm fourth in the world. I'm fourth in the world in business body language, not total body language. I wish I was fourth in the world, but no, you never know. You never know. My, my focus is business, just to be clear. That's good. No, and I appreciate that. I mean, one thing I was reading a little bit about your background, I know that you had some thoughts on, and you've talked a little bit about this fidgeting, right? So I have a question there. What if you're just a high energy spastic person in general? How can you like tone down the fidgeting and why, why is that important? And then also food placement. Those are the last two things I wanted to What was the last one? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Food placement, like if you, you know, how you have food or, or water or whatever, if that's in play, does it matter how you take a drink of something, how, where you're putting your food, etc.? Well, um, you know, if you hold your coffee cup up here, um, yeah. any hand movement above waist level is a box, I'm showing you now on the screen, I hope you can see it, is a boxer's pose. So if your hands are up here, that's really aggressive. So, and people who carry their coffee cups like this, they're, they're very defensive. So that's a very basic one. There's a lot more detail you'd need to get, frankly, um, to, to make a judgment on at any other level. So I think 
we'll, we'll stick with that if you don't mind. And relaxing, I would go back to the looking down with a terrible thought about being nervous, being fidgety or whatever you don't like about yourself. And we all have something, let's face it. Then put that thought into um, your body by looking down and exaggerating and exaggerating and then look up with the same thought and you'll be relaxed. So that will take you down. If, you're, if you are a hyper, um, <laughs> hyper and very mobile, then don't have your hands up here because you'll look very aggressive. Use your hands, you know, to express what you're saying. It shows passion, but it has to be authentic. I would say practice talking to yourself on screen and see if your hands are saying the same as what your voice is saying. Mm. And then that's okay because you're enhancing it. You'll see people these days talking, and if I can do it, I have to lean saying two things to tell you at the end of a presentation. It's a new NLP way of doing it. So we put our hands up to but they go in the air because they're taking it away from their chest, which is the, the area that we defend or we punch from. Yeah. Yeah. So where your hands are is really important and that they're loose. You know, if you've got hands like this, it shows tension. So you need to shake them out again, do that in the bathroom. Don't do it when you're in the reception of this large corporate company which has probably got cameras all over and i i do know a company thank goodness i haven't been in their reception who now films applicants from reception it's quite yeah. interesting i've heard this a lot of companies do yeah, okay, well, yeah I did. sorry oh, go ahead no i say i think the point about that is is as soon as you walk through the door you need to be in a state that is confident and capable, all the C's really. You've got to know that you can communicate effectively. You have to know that you're confident. You have to know that you're capable of doing the job they're talking about. Mm. And you, ex you can express that by having both feet on the ground. It will give you a, a confidence, but the interviewer, if there's only one, will see you as confident and capable. And once you start looking them in the left eye, they don't know what's going on. And if you add this breath synchronization, they've got to give you the job. I mean, ring me if they don't, if you do all these things, because <laughs> it works, right? It really works. Perfect. Thank you. Um, before we close, I, we have one question that, uh, yes. from Jessica McKay. Yeah. Come on live and ask it. Vanessa, is that right? I would like to, I mean, there's a million questions that I want to ask you, but we have one question from uh, Jessica McCain, and she's been, I'm excited for her to get your advice. Okay. Hi, Jessica. Can you hear us okay? Yes. Hi. Hi. Can Hi. you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so this was a question that I asked in the Cheeky group recently, and it got a lot of attention. A lot of people are wondering about this. Um, what role does clothing play, especially professional clothing and attire, um, in looking professional, and I guess in, from your perspective with uh, body language? Hmm. It's not my focus, but here, here are the basics that you cover up. You see, I've not got any chest showing or anything like that. I've got a particularly big chest, so it can be an issue. Um, so I, I think to just in one color in rather than multiple colors or patterns and to understand what that company has as a dress. 
um, for instance, there's, I'm, uh, where I live is in a very creative area in London, and you go into all those studios, they're all wearing black chinos and black t-shirts. There might be a logo on the front or the back. So you wouldn't go to one of those um, operations in a suit. So, you know, again, Apple, you probably wouldn't go to Apple in a suit. Whereas if you're going to a bank, you're probably best in a dark suit and a white shirt. So I think you must do your research and find out what is the general attire in the organization that you wish to work in. But as, as a general rule, I would say simple and classical. And yes, we've all got little quirks, but hold back and, until you know it's safe to show those. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you can see I've been around a long time. And um, that's why I just had to offer a different way of introducing in groups. And I, I know it's your course and I probably get smacked hands after this um, performance. However, it would hurt me if I didn't give you that information because it's vital and it's a way of making you feel better rather than apologetic. And if you feel better by wearing blue than green, wear blue, yeah? Even if it's just that bit too tight, if it makes you feel better, then wear it. And the same with men. You know, if you have a suit that's not your best suit, but you feel comfortable in it, you're more likely to perform better in that suit. And how I know that works, if you look at actors and actresses, whatever clothes they put on, they become that part. That's part of, of how it works. And I've done drama and that sort of stuff. And, and that's what you do. You, you go away and you, and you decide what this person would wear. And just by putting their clothes on, suddenly you change into that person. Even your voice changes. Does that help you? Yes. Yes, that does. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you both. Thank you very much for coming on, uh, Jessica. And thank you, Carol, for all of your advice. I really appreciate it. I do want to mention uh, very quick to everybody, if you email Carol, and we'll put this in the chat boxes at carol at livingsuccess.co.uk, um, yes. get her the Future of Body Language book for 50% off. Um, yes. You have to email her directly. So that's just a special deal for you guys. Um, we put the link in there, was put in by, by Mary here on Zoom, and then we'll put it in the Facebook group as well. Carol, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate okay. it. Good luck. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. This takes us to the end of this show. Thank you again for joining us on another Cheeky Scientist radio show. Of course, you can go to CheekyScientist.com to learn more about us. You will be able to watch dozens and dozens, if not hundreds and hundreds, of transition stories from PhDs just like you who are now working in industry. Just go to CheekyScientist.com. You can also sign up to our email list so that we can send you these brand new radio shows as they come out. Just go to PhDsGetHired.com, enter your name and email there, and you will get all of our free training materials, and you will get updates on new live radio shows as well as new content that can help you get into the industry job that you want. Thank you again for joining us. Please ask us any questions that you have on our Facebook fan page. Just search Cheeky Scientist on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.